good to see everybody here this morning, and it's good to have many watching online. I, we, we got a bunch of text messages last night and this morning of people that just said that they weren't going to be able to uh, be here uh, just because of sicknesses and different things going on, and uh, I'm just thankful for everybody that was able to make it here this morning, um, and others that are joining online, thank you for joining us that way. Uh, it's always strange whenever Christmas and New Year's fall so close to Sunday, because people always are doing things and busy with uh, going places and things like that. And uh, I love the holidays, but when it comes to church, I look forward to getting on the other side of them and getting back to semi-normal. And so uh, looking forward to next week as well, as we will uh, continue diving into God's Word together next week. But this week, you can take your Bibles and flip over to Mark chapter number 14. Mark chapter number 14 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to dive into God's Word together as we're in Mark chapter number 14. Uh, we have not been in the book of Mark for some time, so we took a break and uh, spent some time um, in, uh, in uh, the, going through a Christmas series on uh, the miracles of Christmas and had a good time with that as we were working through some of those things. And uh, now we make our way back into the book of Mark. Uh, Isaac asked me yesterday or the day before, he said, are we actually going to finish the book of Mark this year? And I've got good news. Yes, we are. In fact, we're going to finish it in just a few weeks as we're making our way through uh, these last couple of chapters. will actually go rather quickly, um, but uh, I've enjoyed so much as we've preached through the book of Mark. But as we uh, come here to, to chapter number 14, we're going to look at some things that I think are going to be a huge help to us. And uh, we're going to dive into God's Word here in just a moment. Before we do, let's pray and we'll ask for the Lord's help. And then we'll dive into God's Word together this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to open your Word for a few moments. I pray now that as we do just that, that, God, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we've already asked, but we ask again, God, prepare each person that's here. Those watching online, I pray, God, you'd remove distractions and help us, God, to be able to focus in on your Word. I thank you, God, for the privilege that you give us to be able to hear your Word freely. I thank you, God, for the privilege to be able to stream this service online and, God, not have to, to worry about our lives being in jeopardy because of that. I just thank you, God, for allowing us to live in the country that you allow us to live in. And Father, as we dive into this new year, into 2022, God, I just ask that you would be glorified. We thank you for the opportunity to lift up your name, even in the singing that we've already done this morning. And I pray, God, now as we open your word, that your name would be glorified and that so many, God, would uh, be encouraged, Lord, to know you in a deeper way because of what we go through this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we, God, we just pray all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Isaac was sharing with me before the service that the songs that we sang, uh, that, uh, that there was one from the 16th century, one from the 17th century, one from the 18th century, one from the 19th century. And uh, kind of interesting to see all these songs down through the century, and yet all of them as we sang them, lifting up Christ's name. And I hope that it's drawn our attention to where we're going to look this morning. We're going to look at God, and I'm looking forward to doing that together. Well, to give us a little bit of background and remind us where we are in Mark chapter number 14, uh, because it's been so long, and, and really it seems like a lifetime ago that we started into Matthew chapter number 14, all the way back at the very beginning, Jesus was there and, and we saw the, the, the record of the woman coming in and anointing his body and his feet with oil. <laughs> that seems like a lifetime ago, uh, but we saw that that took place and then we they made their way uh, in 
into town. They found their way into that upper room. We saw as, as Jesus and his disciples had that, the, the meal there, the last supper uh, together, as, as the Bible tells us that finally Judas betray, went left to betray Christ. We saw them take the Lord's table and then make their way out into the garden. Uh, and, and then just, uh, well, a little over a month and a half ago, we saw them in the garden as, as Peter and, and John and James were asked of Jesus to pray. And, and we saw as they fell asleep countless times. And finally, the Bible tells us that Jesus woke them up as the group came to capture him. And that's where we ended as Jesus, as Judas came, kissed Jesus Christ on the cheek, and now Jesus has been taken. And so now we find our way to Mark chapter number 14, verse number 53. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 53. It says this, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witnesses agreed not together. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another, t- another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. Here, the Bible tells us we, we know that Jesus has been taken. He's been led away. And, and, and just as a reminder here, when Jesus was led away to be uh, led away captive by this group of people, it, it did not catch him by surprise. Jesus was not surprised by the betrayal of Jesus. Uh, while, while he was betrayed, he was not deceived. He, he knew exactly what was going to take place. Uh, Jesus was not helpless uh, in what was taking place. Jesus, we know, could have called down uh, uh, over 10,000, 12,000, 100,000 angels if he wanted to. Jesus could have spoken the word and it all could have ended right then. But Jesus, God in flesh, allowed himself to be taken by this group of people. All of Jesus' disciples had forsaken him, had fled. And now Jesus, as he's being led here to this courtyard of the high priest, we find that the Bible tells us that he's led to this place where he's met with this group of people that we have come to know known as the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was a group of of about 71 men, religious leaders, that would gather together and they would make final decisions on various legal disputes and religious things that would go on. And so this group of people, they would they would meet there. And we have a picture of what that might have looked like. The high priest would sit on his 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 throne there and, and on either side would be this group of people, 35 on one side, 35 on the other, the high priest that would sit uh, in his throne and then the one that was on trial would stand in the midst of them. And then there'd be some seating that would be on the the back end where, where people could come in and they could watch this trial that would take place. It would make its way out and people would be gathered. Some would stand, some would sit. But as they're all here, this congregation, uh, we find that amongst this group of people, there's someone here that doesn't belong. Besides the 71 Sanhedrin, Besides Jesus Christ, we find someone else that isn't supposed to be there. And we find him, the Bible tells us, in verse number 54. It says, and Peter followed him afar off. 
Here the Bible tells us amongst the Sanhedrin, this group of 71 people, amongst Jesus, somewhere in this group is a man by the name of Peter that we know somewhere so well. We find Peter walking in the council of the ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, really, and sitting in the seat of the scornful. And through his eyes, we get an inside look at a corrupt case. Remember again whose perspective the book of Mark is being written from. It is being penned by Mark, by inspiration of God, through the perspective of the Apostle Peter. Peter giving his his background, his insight into the things that took place. According to verse number 55, this crowd had already determined the punishment. They just had to find something to convict him of. Look what it says there again in verse number 55. And the chief priest and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death. They found none. See, they already knew where they were going to. They already knew what they were going to achieve. They were going to put Jesus to death. In fact, for some time they had been looking for some way that they could trip him up, that they could catch him, so that they could take his life, so that they could end his life. In fact, in chapter number 15, verse number 10, we find the reason that they did this. The Bible tells us that Pilate knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. They were jealous of Jesus. They were jealous of the crowds that followed him. They were jealous of the miracles that he did. They were jealous of his power. They were jealous of his knowledge of the scriptures. His ability to confound them as they would add works to the salvation. As they would add works to uh, the, the word of God. As they would do all this. And listen, they were jealous of all this. And so now their jealousy had led them to try to destroy this man named Jesus. And now they just had to figure out something they could convict him of so that they could take his life there was certainly no innocent until proven guilty going on here they were blinded by their pride their desire to destroy jesus this group who professed to live according to the truth were not interested in finding it here but in an ironic twist they still desired to find something in the law to convict Jesus of as Jesus stood there in the middle of this crowd accusations began to be hurled to begin to fly uh, different testimonies began to be given witnesses after witness would stand up and give testimony against Jesus attempting to accuse him of sin or accuse him of something that they could judge him for and you can imagine that maybe the high priest as he, as he stood there and he, and he said listen he said I need somebody does anybody have a testimony a witness that they love to give against Jesus or give about Jesus and maybe there were some people that came along and said oh yeah listen I, I've got a story about Jesus uh, I was in the temple one day and, and Jesus said uh, hey listen stretch out your hand and my hand was withered and, 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 he, and, and he said put it in, into your coat and he put it, I put it in my coat when I brought it back out again it was healed is that the kind of testimony you're looking for they said no get out of here okay we're not looking for that type of testimony and, and maybe the, the the woman came along from, from, from the book of John and, and she came and said listen one day I was going and I was at this well and, uh, and I was getting some water and, and, and Jesus came along and, and as I was standing there he said listen he said I, I, I know who you are and he said I know what you've done but he said I've got good news I've got I, I for, can forgive you for those things and I can give you a new life I can give you uh, water from a well that you'll never have to drink from again and she said 
said, listen, I went and I told everybody about it. Is that the testimony that you're looking for? They said, get out of here. You're ruining our stories, okay? That's not what we're looking for. Testimony after testimony was given. And then finally some would come along and they tried to testify against Jesus and accuse Him of things. But the Bible tells us they couldn't get their testimonies, their witnesses to agree with one another. One person would stand up and would say something. And they say, listen, uh, that, that's a good one. And somebody else would stand up and, and then they'd conflict with each other and say, oh, we don't got anything anyway. And then they throw that one out. And one after another, they tried to do this. They tried to bring up stories. In fact, the Bible even tells us in verse number 56 that many bear fault witness against him, but their witnesses agreed not together. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And within three days I will build it another made without hands. But neither so did their witnesses agree together. I mean, they just they couldn't get their ducks in a row. They couldn't figure things out. I mean, just her accusation, accusation, coming one after another, nothing making any sense. They could not find any sin that would stick on Jesus. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's because Jesus had never sinned. No sin that they could bring upon Jesus. No accusation of sin would stick. Why? Because Jesus had never sinned. And yet they were striving, doing their best to try to find something that they could put Him to death for. And then why were they trying to do this? Well, according to the Old Testament law, in Numbers 35, verse number 30, and Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, it required two witnesses to condemn someone to death. And so they needed someone, a couple of people, to agree. And as Peter watched on, accusation after accusation was brought against Jesus, and he stood there silently. But there was no need to dispute, because Jesus would not be convicted of sin. No sin would stick on Jesus, because Jesus had never sinned. But then we find that the high priest... He stood, the Bible tells us, and he comes down to where Jesus was. And he leveled one final question. Look at verse number 61. Verse number 60, rather. It says this, And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? And he held his peace. He says, don't you have anything to say about what's being said against you? And Jesus had nothing to say at all. It was one of these things like, hey, listen, I I, I have the right to remain silent because there's nothing I need to say to convict myself because there's nothing you can convict me of. Jesus remained absolutely silent, fulfilling the prophecies in Isaiah that talked about how they were going to beat him and they were going to level these charges against him, and yet he would never even open his mouth. But look at verse 61. But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him another question and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? Listen, Jesus was guilty on one charge. In verse number 62, he said, I am. I am. 
The question that rang out from the lips of the high priest, Are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed? Are you Christ, the Son of God? Is that who you are? And in that moment, the silence could remain no more. Because Jesus, if He was guilty of something, He was guilty of one thing. He was innocent of all sin. But there was one accusation that He had to admit to. He is the Son of God. With two simple words, I am. Jesus brought to remembrance the familiar story for everybody that was there. The story of Moses. There he was at that burning bush in Exodus chapter number 3. And as Moses stood before that burning bush that was not consumed, and the, the bush, God spoke from that bush and said, Moses, take off your shoes. The place that you're on is holy ground. And God began to tell the story. He said, Moses, i got a plan for you. I'm going to use you to deliver my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, why? How would they believe? They'll never believe me. Who should I tell them has sent me? And he said, Moses, you tell them I am has sent you. I am that I am, the self-existent one, the very person of God, the omnipotent one, the one who spoke and all things came to be, the one that parted the Red Sea, the one that stopped the mouths of lions, the one that brought down fire from the sky, and the one that made Jericho's walls fall flat. He spoke and he said, I am. And here the Bible tells us when they asked him, and they said, Jesus, just who do you think you are? Are you really Jesus? Are you really the Christ? Are you really the Son of God. Jesus spoke to that high priest and everyone knew exactly who Jesus was saying that He was. He declared, I am. But He didn't stop there. No, look what He says in verse number 62. He says, I am. And He looks at that high priest. That high priest that thought He had so much power. That high priest that thought He had so much pomp. That high priest that thought he, He could do whatever He wanted to. And He could say whatever He wanted to say. Look at what Jesus said. And He said, and ye, pointing the finger right at Him, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Oh, listen. Jesus Christ, He looks at him and he makes it very clear on that day yes the high priest would be the judge yes on that day the high priest might have the last word yes the high priest on that day could level his false accusations and twist this kangaroo court into this form that he wanted it to be and get the results that he desired but there was coming a day very soon when Jesus would rise from the dead and he would ascend into heaven and he would sit on the right hand of the throne of God and one day every eye will see and every tongue will confess as, 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 as Isaac was reading us those verses out of Philippians chapter number 2 that he is Lord when he returns in the clouds at his second coming. And when Jesus was saying what He was saying in that moment, He was saying, oh yes, I am the great I am. And no matter what you do today, I still will be. Friend, can I remind us here today as we go into 2022, I mean, we've just started. I mean, we're in the second day of 2022. We're, we're just beginning. Can I remind us today, the I am still is. The great I am still is. You see, as we look around our world and we see division... We see divisiveness. We see wickedness everywhere. Sin is rampant. It's blatant. It's all over the place. 
Families are falling apart. 2020 was a doozy. 2021 tried to one-up it. And who knows what 2022 may hold for us in store. It's, 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 who knows what's going to take place. Uh, Romans chapter number 1 is becoming more and more a reality in the world that we live in today. Where people are worshiping, serving the creature more than the creator. Where people are, are lifting up themselves. Where people are, are, are committing wickedness everywhere around us. Where there's a moral lifestyle that's, that's taking place. Where it doesn't take much time when you flip on the TV and it's right there in front of you. It's just shoved right into your face. Every single commercial that you look at has something to do with the homosexual agenda or the transgender agenda or some of these things that are just absolute wickedness against the Word of God. Hey, listen, friend. Can I tell you, in this world that we're living in, in 2022, I can tell you, the I am still is. Complacency in the church house has become the norm. Comfortable Christianity is everywhere that we live. I had the opportunity to go to a meeting a few months back. And at this meeting, it was a group of people, they were discussing some stakeholders in our town and in towns. And they were, they were going through and, and they were talking about what a stakeholder was. A stakeholder was, was somebody that had a, an immense amount of influence in a town. And they were going through and they were naming different places or different people that would be considered a stakeholder. They, they talked about how the school would be a stakeholder, that it has an immense amount of influence on the community. That makes sense. Our kids go to the school and, and so that, 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 Obviously, has an influence on families, has an influence on people. Uh, obviously, that was a stakeholder. They, they mentioned some restaurants and businesses that, that might be in town. How these are places that people go to that oftentimes they are stakeholders in the town. They, they mentioned, hey, listen, a, a, a mayor or a city council, a, 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 a group of people. Oftentimes, they are, are, are stakeholders in the town that have an influence on what takes place in the people of a town. But as we went through and as we named, as they named all these various locations, all these different people and places that were stakeholders in the town. There was one place that was glaringly absent. The place that didn't come up. The place that wasn't mentioned. I'll tell you what it was. It was the church. The church. The church that once upon a time, way back when, it was the, the main location that everything took place at. If there was a meeting that was to be held, it was held at the church. School, whenever it was in session during the week, where was it? It was at the church. When something had to take place, it took place at the church. It had a major impact in the town. Listen, today, what a sad thing that it is that oftentimes the church house is nothing more than an afterthought. It's a place that you pass by and drive on the road. What a sad thing that people would live in the town of Whitehall and not know about Whitehall Baptist Church, I believe that the reason that the church wasn't mentioned is because the church has become an ineffective part of society. And here's the sad part. Most Christians are okay with it. They're okay with just existing. Because let's just be honest, for most Christians, most people, the church house is little more than a country club that we come to just fellowship with our friends. Enjoy a meal after a service every once in a while. But there's no real life change that's taking place. Oh, we've lost sight of the holiness of God. 
that holiness that we were singing about this morning, the glory of God, how great thou art. We've lost sight of it. They're just words. They're just songs that we sing. They're just words on a screen. They're just words on a page. And they don't affect us anymore. Churches become something that we do instead of who we are. You understand that the church is not a building? Sure, we meet here. But the church is a called out assembly. Saved, baptized believers. It's the people. The people. And listen, how what a sad thing that the church, not the church house, the church has become so ineffective. Revival is just a cliche term that preachers throw around, but no one really believes is possible. We've got money for hamburgers, but not for missions. We, we've got time for sports, but not for church. Time for the TV, but not for our Bibles. We're social media experts, but we're Bible illiterate. And it should humble us. And it should break us. Because while we may not be what we ought to be, God is still who He is. In Malachi chapter number 3, verse number 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. In Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 8, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, friend, can I tell you, He is still God. And whether you recognize Him as that or not, He is still God. He is still the God of this world. He is still the God of the impossible. He is still all-powerful. He is still all-knowing. He is still omnipresent. He is still in control. He is still the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is still Elohim, the God. He is still El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He is still El Elyon, the most, the God Most High. He is still Anonai, the, 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 the Lord our Master. He is still Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our Banner. He is still Jehovah Raha, the, the Lord my God, my, my Shepherd. He is still Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He is still Jehovah Shema the Lord who is there. He is still the Lord uh, Sinitsku, the, the Lord our righteousness. He is still Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. He is still Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. He is still Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord our host. He is still Elohim, the everlasting God. He is still the God that spoke all things into existence. He is still the God that parted the waters. He is still the God that shut those lions' mouth. He is still the God that brought down fire from heaven. He is still that gave sight to the blind man. He is still the God that gave hearing to the deaf. He is still the God that may, may help the lame man to walk. He is still the, the God that made the, uh, the, the, the leper to be healed. He is still the God that cast out demons. He is still the God that raised Lazarus from the grave. He is still the God that gave his life on that cross. He is still the God that arose from the grave. He is still the God that can save your soul. And he is still the God that can repair your marriage. He is still the God that can bring your wayward child back home. And he is still the God that can forgive your sins and you your life and he is still the God that can send revival to this church he is still the God that can turn our town upside down for him and I'm here to tell you today that listen friend the great I am still is he has not lost his power he has not changed he is not different than who he was listen friend if anybody moved away it is not him it is us and friend the Bible tells us that if we will draw nigh to God he will draw nigh to us and friend we can experience revival in our church and we can't see 2022 be the greatest year that we've ever experienced and we can't see God do the impossible because He is still God. And it didn't matter if the high priest believed it or not. 
And it didn't matter if the Sanhedrin declared it or not. And it doesn't matter if you believe it today or not. The I am still is. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still God today. And in 2022, He can still do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. The question today is, what will you do? What will you do with who He is? We see what the high priest did with Him. Look at verse number 63. Then the high priest rent his clothes. Saith, what need we any further witness? You've heard the blasphemy that, what thank ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. Some began to spit on him, to cover his face, to buffet him, and to say unto him, prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of his hand. They found Jesus guilty of the only thing they could get him on. He was God. And he professed to be. And that predetermined punishment was declared by all of them in verse number 64. The predetermined punishment, which was death. Then the Bible says that some of them began to leave their seat. To walk down where Jesus was. They spat on him. You say, what did that mean? It meant the same thing it means today. <laughs> Absolute disrespect. I mean, just the lowest form. Spitting on the Savior, the, the God of the world. Then they take a coat and they put it over his head. And the Bible tells us that they take their fists and they begin to punch him. And they'd say, who was it that hit you? Hey, if you're really God, who was it that just punched you? Tell us who it was. What is their name? It was an ugly and disgusting sight. And all the time, Jesus never uttered a word. But the truth is, he knew exactly who it was that spat on him. He knew the names of every person who punched him. He knew every detail of every false accuser's life. He knew every person that mockingly proclaimed that he was God with their lips, but beat him with their fists. Listen, friend, I can't imagine anyone here today that's accepted Christ as their Savior, flat out rejecting Christ like that. I mean, I, I, we, we, we can't even fathom it, okay? I mean, let, let's just be honest. I mean, maybe in some crowds, maybe in the halls of Congress, may, I mean, I don't know. But, but listen, in the church house, I mean, if we, if we could bring Jesus in here, listen, nobody would spit on Him. Nobody would buffet Him. Nobody would do those things. There's no question about it. In your life, in your daily life, nobody would have participated in something like this. None of us would have. I have no doubt in my mind that nobody that's watching online today thinks to themselves, yeah, if I had been in that crowd, I'd been right down there with them. Nobody would have. But there are many that would find company with Peter in that crowd. While he didn't go down and punch Jesus and while he didn't spit on him, he stood back and said nothing and did nothing. See, we've already preached through those next verses. Verses 66 through 72. We've already seen the account of Peter as he denied Christ. So we won't go through all of them again. 
And while many in this room say, man, I just can't imagine denying Christ like what Peter did, most of us have found ourselves in one point or another, standing by the fire with an opportunity to stand up for Him. But we said nothing. In fact, I dare say that the vast majority of Christians, the vast majority of church houses, would not find themselves with Peter on the day of Pentecost. Most of them would find themselves right there with Peter by the fire, warming themselves, saying nothing, doing nothing, not standing up for Christ. Do you realize there's a lot of people that lived during the time of the Bible? A lot of people that, that, that lived during the times that the Scriptures were written, and we don't know their name. Millions of people were alive during the roughly 1,400 years that the Bible was recorded, and we, we don't know their names. We, we have no idea who they are. Nothing is ever mentioned about them in Scripture, and many of them, nothing's mentioned about them in history. But I want to give you a name we do know that I read just this past week and as I was reading my, my, my devotions. It's in Judges chapter number 3. Israel was going through one of their cycles of rebellion against God and then returning to Him. That's what Judges is. It's a story of, of rebellion to God, uh, God sending somebody to, to fight for them, them returning to God and then rebellion against God again. It's just, it's just this continual cycle that took place uh, throughout the book of Judges. And as I'm reading through this, they're in the midst of one of these cycles and we're introduced to this guy that, listen, everybody I'm sure knows his name. Everybody here would recognize him. Everybody. His name starts with an S. All right, listen, everybody here would know him, right? And everybody thinks it's Samson, but it's not, okay? This guy, his name was Shamgar, the son of Anath, okay? Listen, I know everybody in here knew who Shamgar was, all right? If I, if I actually said, Who's, who do you know in Judges? you say, oh yeah, oh, Shamgar, that's the one that I know. No, listen, nobody knew who Shamgar was. You didn't even know he was in the Bible. You didn't know that was a real name until right this moment, okay? Listen, Shamgar, the son of Anath, we're introduced to him in Judges chapter number 3, verse number 31. In fact, it's the only verse in the Bible that really tells us much about anything about him. His name's mentioned in one other place in passing. This is the only place that we really learn anything about him. Now listen to what he did. It says this in, in Judges 3, verse number 31. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew the Philistines, slew the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And it's also he delivered Israel. Listen, okay, this guy named Shamgar, the Bible tells us, that he had an ox goat. Now, we don't use ox goats today, okay? Uh, but an ox goat, uh, what we do, just at the same time. An ox goat was just, I mean, it was just this long, basically a stick that had a pointed end on one side and kind of a little bit of a spay on the other side. And what it was used for is as the ox were plowing the field, pulling that plow, they would use that, that goat, okay, to poke those ox to get them to keep moving along. That's what it was used for. They used it as the ox would start to slow down. what they do? They'd poke it. They didn't, they didn't use the reins like we do today. They had an ox go poke and that's what they would do. The ox would keep moving along. The Bible tells us that old Shamgar, the one that we all knew so well, Shamgar, the Bible tells us that he killed 600 Philistine men. 600 Philistine soldiers with an ox goat to deliver Israel. 
Man, what a cool guy. I don't know. There's some people like this in the scripture that you just look at and you're like, man, like one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, where's Shamgar? Okay, you know, I mean, like he's one of these guys that you just got to go. I mean, he had to be a hawk of a man. I mean, he had to be absolutely incredible. Listen, we don't know much about Shamgar. He doesn't go on to win any other battles in the Bible that we know of. We don't know anything else about him. But what we do know about Shamgar is he didn't just go with the flow like the rest of Israel. He stood up for God. And listen, he prepared himself to take that stand. You see, you don't become some kind of ox goad ninja that kills 600 Philistine men because one day you're just walking in a field and you see it and you pick it up. Okay, listen, there was some preparation. There was some planning. There was some, some, some work that was done in the background to prepare him for that day when he stood for God and he stood for the people of God. And listen, friend, can I tell you this morning, I want to be a Shamgar. A Shamgar. No one may remember my name. Nobody knew who Shamgar was. You didn't even know he's in the Bible. He's in the last verse of a chapter in a book of the Bible that you probably read maybe once every other year. All right, listen, Judges 3.31, Shamgar. But may God give us some men and women in this church who will decide in 2022 not just to go with the flow, but will decide to be intentional like Shamgar and use your life for God. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. Listen, friend, we are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. We are supposed to stand on behalf of Christ. Listen, friend, the, the great I am still is, and he still wants to do great things today. He wants to see our town come to Christ. He wants to use our church to, 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 to contain a crowd that can't even fit in the doors of this church he wants to do something that will cause everyone else to stand back like they did at the red sea like nebuchadnezzar staring into that fire listen friend like the king was when he came to the lion's den and everyone to be able to say only god could do that the i am still is and it didn't matter if the high priest believed it It didn't matter if the Sanhedrin declared it. It doesn't matter if you believe it today. Listen, friend, He is still God. And friend, can I encourage you today to make the God of this book truly the God of your life. The God of your life, the one that dictates your life. Will you make the great I am the God of your life? He is the God of this universe. He is the great I am. He still is But I wonder if he still is the God of your life. If he's still one that dictates the decisions of your life. Oh, friend, in 2022, you are going to choose to give your life to him like you never have before. In 2022, you can decide that you aren't just going to go with the flow, but you're going to be intentional with your life and stand up for God and prepare yourself so that you can know him and be ready to share about him. In 2022, by great God's grace, you're going to find somebody to give the gospel to. I mean, I would just, I'd encourage everybody in this room, every person that's watching online, to just purpose in your heart this. Say, Lord, will you help me this year? This year, will you help me to give the gospel to somebody? You say, Kyle, I don't know how to do that. Listen, friend, I got great news. You got a whole year to learn how to. And, and I can tell you right now, it's not real hard to learn. 
Because all you have to do is make that decision yourself if you haven't. Accept Christ as your Savior. Recognize that you are a sinner that deserves punishment and eternity in a lake of fire. And, and come to that place where you say, God, will you forgive me for my sins? And then you have to be able to take that and go to someone else and tell them what you did. Oh, I'd encourage everybody to pray and say, God, will you help me in 2022 to find somebody to share the gospel with? In 2022, by God's grace. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to get involved in serving like never before. I'm going to get plugged in in a way like never before. Listen, I'm going to get plugged in here at the church. We sent out an email yesterday, uh, or not an email, a text message yesterday that talked about, listen, we've got a lot of areas of opportunity to serve here in the church. We've got, we need more people in our children's ministry. We need more people in our media ministry. We need more people that will stand up here on the platform and sing when Isaac is singing. We need more people to be involved in the cleaning of the church. We need more people to be involved in all kinds of aspects of the ministry here at Whitehall Baptist Church. And listen, I'm thankful for the ones that are here and the ones that are plugged in, the ones that are involved in doing things. But listen, friend, maybe you would say, God, what more can I do for you in 2022 to make that decision that you're going to make it more than just words? But you're going to put action in your life. Friend, the I am still is. My prayer for you is that you will get as close to God. So close that He will consume your life. That you won't find yourself just comfortable being over there with Peter, just warming yourself by the fire. But you'll be somebody that will stand up and stand out for Him. D.L. Moody was one of the greatest preachers to ever step foot on American soil. His name's recognized by, by Christians and by those outside the church alike. He, his preaching was used to shake two continents for the cause of Christ with the gospel. It's said that he personally led over a million people to Christ. That's just astounding. The year was 1873, and in an afternoon conference, Moody pulled aside a British revivalist named Henry Varley. He asked Varley if he had recalled some words that Varley had spoken to him about a year earlier, just prior to Moody returning to the United States and to Chicago. Moody asked him, he said, do you remember the words that you said? Varley replied, I, I well remember your interview, but I do not recall any special utterance. Don't you remember saying... Moody, the world is yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. Varley's reply was not the actual sentence. Ah, said Moody. Those were the words sent to my soul through you from the living God. As I crossed the wide Atlantic... The boards of the deck, the deck of that vessel were engraved with them. And when I reached Chicago, the very paving stones seemed to be marked with Moody. The world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to Him. Under the power of those words, I have come back to England. And I felt that I must not let my, my time pass until I let you know how God has used your words in my inmost soul. You see, because Moody, when he heard those words, 
When he heard them say that the world is yet to see what God can do with a man who is fully consecrated to him, Moody said, by God's grace, I will be that man. And friend, this morning, the God of D.L. Moody is the same God that we serve today. And if you, like Moody, will allow, God will take your life this year and will show you that the I am still is. And He can use your life and this church to go out into this community and into our world and make a difference for the cause of Christ. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we finish our service. We're going to have a brief few moments of just some time where you can spend with the Lord and and do business with Him. It's good whenever we hear the Word of God preached to respond to it. That's actually the purpose of preaching is, is to provoke change, to encourage change in our lives. This morning as we've shared the Word of God, I hope that the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and I would encourage you that in a moment as the music is played that you would take a few moments and just spend in prayer to God. This morning maybe you find yourself where Peter was, warming yourself by the fire, not really taking a stand for Christ. I mean, you're not really spitting in His face or anything like that, but you're not really taking a stand for Him either. You've just been comfortable just warming your hands. And maybe this morning, as you heard a story about a man that, listen, it was just somebody we didn't really know, Shamgar, but yet he decided not to just go with the flow. You'd say, Lord, help me. Help me to realize that you are still God. Help me, God, to not just stand on the sidelines, not just to go with the flow. Help me to be used by you. Maybe you're at home watching the service online. I'd encourage you, don't just get up and walk away from the service. Spend some time now talking to the Lord. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to dedicate yourself to Him. And say, God, as we start this new year, help me in 2022 to give myself to You. Lord, use my life. God, I want to be a Shamgar. God, I want to be one of these people that, like a D.L. Moody that just says, God, by grace, I want to be that person that's wholly consecrated to You. This morning, if the Holy Spirit spoke into your heart, I hope that you'll spend time with Him. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together as the music plays. Father, bless now this time as we talk to you and spend time with you. Work in our hearts, God, as only you can. Pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, I'd encourage you to spend some time with the Lord. Just talk to Him. Say, what is praying? Praying is just talking to God. And speak to Him right there in your heart. God wants to do so much greater than what you can imagine this year. So much more. I encourage you to get a clear view of God. See who He is. He's still the God that does the impossible. He's still the God that does miracles. He has not changed. He wants to use your life. 
we would but heed to him. I am still is. Father, thank you for each person that's here, those watching online. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would continue to move in our midst. I pray, God, that your word would continue to convict our hearts. And, Lord, as we think of this passage of Scripture that we've looked at this morning, I pray, God, that we would see Christ there. And as all the accusers came and and nothing stuck, and yet, Father, there was one thing that was true about him. He is God. I pray, God, that we would see him as he was and who he is. And I pray, God, that each person would allow him to be the God of their life. Lord, that we would set our selfish desires and will aside. We'd focus our attention on you. I pray that this year, 2022, would be a year at Whitehall Baptist Church like we have never experienced before. I pray, God, that we would see you work in ways that we've never seen before. I pray, God, that we would see souls saved in numbers, Lord, like we've never seen before. And God, we point all the glory right back to you. Thank you, God, for what you've done already. But God, how we look forward to what you're going to do. And God, we pray all of these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen.